Coffee Net podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for our Revive by the Word episode today. Welcome, Bronwyn. Kia ora. I'm Bronwyn, and I'm so excited about reading to you the Word of God. And um, in Psalm 119, it says, Revive me by your word, just like you promised you would. So come and join in and listen and be revived by his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 From Paul, divinely appointed according to the plan of God to be an apostle of the Anointed One, Jesus. Our fellow believer, Sosthenes, joins me in writing you this letter addressed to the community of God throughout the city of Corinth. For you have been made pure, set apart in the Anointed One, Jesus, and God has invited you to be his devoted and holy people, and not only you, but everyone everywhere who calls on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and ours also. May joyous grace and endless peace be yours continually from our Father God and from our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. I am always thanking my God for you because he has given you such free and open access to his grace through your union with Jesus the Messiah. In him you have been made extravagantly rich in every way. You have been endowed with a wealth of inspired utterance and the riches that come from your intimate knowledge of him. For the reality of the truth of Christ is seen among you and strengthened through your experience of him. So now you aren't lacking any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the unveiling of the Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forever is faithful and can be trusted to do this in you, for he has invited you to co-share the life of his Son, Jesus, the Anointed One, our King. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree to live in unity with one another and to put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves, having common perspective with shared values. My dear brothers and sisters, I have a serious concern I need to bring up with you, for I have been informed by those of Chloe's house church that you have been destructively arguing amongst yourselves. And I need to bring this up because each of you is claiming loyalty to different preachers. Some are saying, I am a disciple of Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I am a disciple of Peter the Rock, and some I belong only to Christ. But let me ask you, is Christ divided up into groups? Did I die on the cross for you? At your baptism, did you pledge yourself to follow Paul? Thank God I only baptised two of you from Corinth, Crispus and Gaius. So now no one can say that in my name I baptised others. Yes, I also baptised Stephanus and his family. Other than that, I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For the Anointed One has sent me on a mission, not to see how many I could baptize, but to proclaim the good news. And I declare this message stripped of all philosophical arguments that empty the cross of its true power. 
for I trust in the all-sufficient cross of Christ alone. To preach the message of the cross seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction, but to us who are on our way to salvation it is the mighty power of God released within us. For it is written, I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise and I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. So where is the wise philosopher who understands? Where is the expert scholar who comprehends? And where is the skilled debater of our time who could win a debate with God? Hasn't God demonstrated that the wisdom of this world system is utter foolishness? For in his wisdom God designed that all the world's wisdom would be insufficient to lead people to the discovery of himself. He took great delight in baffling the wisdom of the world by using the simplicity of preaching the story of the cross in order to save those who believe in it. For the Jews constantly demand to see miraculous signs, while those who are not Jews constantly cling to the world's wisdom. But we preach the crucified Messiah. The Jews stumble over him and the rest of the world sees him as foolishness. But for those who have been chosen to follow him, both Jews and Greeks, he is God's mighty power, God's true wisdom, and our Messiah. For the foolish things of God have proven to be wiser than human wisdom, and the feeble things of God have proven to be far more powerful than any human ability. Brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. And God chose the puny and powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent, so that there would be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. And this fulfills what is written, If anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has done. Chapter 2 My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert trying to impress you with my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reference to God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, 
nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is a secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world order understood it, for if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scripture says, Things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the Spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit, and not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelation of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Those who live in the Spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counsellor? Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. Chapter 3 Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food, for you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centred on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. For when you divide yourself up into groups, a Paul group and the Paulus group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. Who is Apollos, really, or who is Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believed our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned us? I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important, 
and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God and you are God's cultivating garden, the house he is building. God has given me unique gifts as a schooled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware, let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Christ Jesus. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent, whether it has been built with gold, silver and costly stones, or wood, hay and straw. The work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by fire, he will suffer great loss, yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. Don't you realise that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the Spirit of God makes his permanent home in you? Now if someone desecrates God's inner sanctuary, God will desecrate him, for God's inner sanctuary is holy and that is exactly who you are. So why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it, if anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standard, he will be made wiser by being a fool for Jesus. And what the world says is wisdom, is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of the know-it-alls becomes the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasoning of the wise and knows that it's all a sham. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually... You already have everything. It has been given for you for your benefit, whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter the Rock, or whether it's the world or life or death, or whether it's the present or the future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God.